Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski and today I am talking to the awesome Anna Clements. We're talking about taking external courses to support your PhD study. And so in this episode, we talk about why you might want to do that, how you might go about it. And we also talk about creating your own PhD bucket list. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. so much for being here and um, for the second time you've already been here already been yes. gorgeous guest <laughs> and thanks for inviting me back on well it, it is a delight because you've got golden information um and you you already talked to us all about um getting published in and writing journal articles um and so we'll have the link in the show notes to that episode um because it's brilliant but also <laughs> it's got your story in. And because you've already been here before, we won't we won't go into your story again like we usually do. Um, but what I thought we would do instead, because we're here today to talk about taking courses alongside your PhD. Um, and because we we are launching a course <laughs> that people <laughs> might want to take. Um, and so we're going to talk a bit about that. But I, I think before we get into that, I, I wondered whether you could talk us through your story in, in terms of developing courses and, and how that how that has been for you. Um, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um, so my story of developing courses really started with me editing papers for researchers. So I was working... Um, sort of as an independent developmental editor um, where researchers would hire me to give them feedback on their paper and do like language editing, developmental editing. And what I noticed, so (laughs) my editing was very, um, it was like a particular kind. So they usually is like, you say like copy editing and developmental editing, where copy editing is a little more like surface level, like commerce, things like that. Uh, And developmental editing goes a bit deeper into like the whole structure. And I would say mine was like, very very developmental Mm, editing mm. so I would go super deep that was just my thing I I couldn't help it (laughs) like even though I guess I I wasn't even paid to do such a thorough job (laughs) and I even one time I got pushed back on it which was hilarious I mean it was very difficult at the time but a client had said oh my god I didn't expect you to do that like he was a little upset uh, and then it was so funny. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then two days later, he sends me this email. Oh, my God. Uh, this was amazing. <laughs> and he asked me to, like, he tried to hire me again. And I, I didn't actually work with him again because um, that first <laughs> interaction was a little upsetting. But it was kind of like, that's kind of like just shows you that I guess I was doing things a little differently from what other editors would do and that, um it was like what I really realized was when researchers write a paper and they're kind of like before they send it to editing they would 
do like the most thorough job they can. Mm-hmm. They would get mm-hmm. everything perfect, uh, then send it to me. And then would I would go and be like, okay, so where's the story here? Um, let's really like pull back. Uh, let's really dig deep. And I think like, and I suggested all those changes. And then you can imagine that people, yes. it's it's like frustrating to, um, to having to like just keep rewriting stuff. And I really noticed not only with like external editors, I really noticed, okay, this is a problem in the writing process for researchers. Mm-hmm. They just keep rewriting stuff. And then like, it becomes like these like projects that you dread and you don't want to touch that paper anymore and you cannot stand even seeing it and it becomes so toxic. And I just, I mean, I really realized this process is inefficient. Like, and I don't want to kind of contribute (laughs) to that. Um, And I was thinking, okay, how can I actually help researchers um, better? How can I... how can I be part of the solution, not part of the problem sort of thing? So, and then I was thinking, okay, I need to teach. I need to teach them what, like, what are the steps that I go through when I edit, right? Like, and what would be then the steps that they could go through when they write so they don't need to first write and then completely rewrite, but they could, like, write in a structured way right off the bat, like, right off the get-go. And then I developed... um, I developed a method for that, um, the journal publication formula that I then taught to um, people individually. Like I, I, I called it a one-to-one coaching. So um, we would meet uh, on Zoom and um, go through things, and they would do stuff on their own, and then we would like meet again. Like it was like a very like kind of like I hold your hand and we walk and uh, we write this paper together kind of thing. Mm. Um and that worked really well and I got really nice feedback on that. And then I was like, okay, so um if that works, <laughs> then I think I mean obviously one-to-one coaching is not very accessible. Like it just cannot work with very many people and not very many people uh can afford to. Yes. So the idea, I had the idea of then turn that into a course. Um, and this is what I did. So I, it took me a few months. So I was like, I was like, okay, I'm just going to not do editing for a bit. Mm. Uh, it was hard. It's, it was like a little bit of a leap when, you mm. know, you turn off your income for a few yes, months yes, yes. to develop something, but I needed to do it that way. I just couldn't yes. do it alongside it. Uh, I, and I did, and I put it out there and that was, I guess, two years ago, uh, it first launched. Um, and yeah. And since then it has developed as well. Um, so it started as a course. Now I say more program just mm-hmm. because it's still a course, um, in the sense of that it has lessons. Um, but there are so many more components to it now that I kind of call it a program, but it's a course program. I mean, these kind of words are used, I guess, a little bit of synonyms anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love this. And I I think the, the, the brilliant thing about the course as well, um, or the program format is that you have these other people with you, don't you? I mean, that's Mm -hmm. something that I found is, is that actually working one-to-one with someone is, is, has a you know, a real intensity um, and you can really be absolutely bespoke um, content. But as you say, it then becomes expensive because it's it's that time. But also I think people can learn a lot from 
how other people are approaching things and seeing that other people are on that similar journey. Oh um, my God. Yeah. 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 So I, I think that that's what I found exciting about developing um, courses too. Um, and I think what, what you talked about there in terms of what we're going to get into in terms of why, um, why do a course, but in terms of why make a course mm-hmm. like you, I've certainly seen that there are, there's, there's a, there's all this learning that needs to happen as part of a doctoral program, which people aren't expecting. I think very few people, especially in terms of the work you're doing, very few people are expecting that they're going to be learning how to write. Um, A lot of people arrive with, with writing skills, definitely, but not, not expecting that that's going to be a big shift in, in what they're doing. And actually it is, it's a, it's a massive part of, of the PhD is learning how to write. Um, as part of the whole revolution that goes in terms of the PhD journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you say, actually, it's very different from that undergraduate or even master's where you kind of, you craft something, hand it in, and then you're not really ever expecting to rewrite that again. You just kind of craft it, hand it in. Whereas on the, the PhD, there's a whole iterative process that's going on. Um, and that's a very different approach, isn't it? Um, uh, so I think that that, that writing all sorts of different learning that happens on the on the PhD program. Um, and that's why certainly I've been involved in creating courses in terms of giving them that support because people aren't expecting that to happen. It may take them by surprise and they may want someone, like you said, to just walk them through what this might mean and how they can sort of process that and how they can um, develop skills in particular areas. So, yes, I, I absolutely um, comes out of of a hard one experience from both of us, I think, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it really is something that in universities often isn't taught, right? It's this thing that is kind of expected. Like, yeah. I, f- I often feel like that all those skills, like when you do a PhD program, um, you're kind of just getting, or often, many universities, many institutions only provide you training on that topic <laughs> or related yes. topics. Yes. If you get any training, like yes. sometimes I feel like you don't even get training in that. You're just expected to kind yes, of yes, yes. Uh, no, learn by do it. Absolutely. People are just expected to get on with it and to kind of to assimilate often. And that, you know, that that is shifting and hooray for that. And let's be out of a mm-hmm. job in a little while, Anna, because, you know, if people are all getting what they need um, as they go. Hooray, hooray for that. Um but at the moment, there are real gaps um, and people are really struggling with that. And and I think for both of us, we were just talking before we came on the call in terms of how amazing it is to help people through and to help people to get over the finish line mm-hmm. <laughs> and to progress their careers. And, you know, that that is um, amazing. That's what we're here for. Um, so we we're just about to i'm very excited because i'm i'm we are going to be doing um a webinar together um yes. let, let's do a shameless plug for it right now what tell 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 us what it is tell people what it is that we're doing yeah so we're going to do a live webinar um on the 28th of march, 28th of march. um it's a tuesday uh tuesday afternoon kind of uk time um, and what we're going to talk about is how to get published in high-ranking journals without lacking structure in the writing process. Um, we're going to go through um, three mistakes that 
I, as an academic writing coach, have seen researchers make uh, over and over again. Um, and we also going to walk through the general publication formula. So this is the system that I develop, that I teach in my course, in my program. And we're going to go go over that and um, also offer you an invitation to then join my program, the Researchers Writing Academy, um, if you if you feel like that would be a good fit, that would be the right next step for you. Um, and if you want to go check out um, this free webinar, like this is completely free, like you can attend um, completely for free. Uh, if you want to join us, um, there's also actually going to be a Q&A. So if you want to ask us something about writing or publishing, we'll uh, reserve some time at the end um, to talk about that and you have a little bit of a discussion. And we go, we'll have all the details in the show notes as well. And, and what we do need to say is that it has a, this is biased because of your expertise. This is biased towards um, writing in the um, sciences and the social sciences not so much in the humanities but the webinar will be of use to everybody um, and you're very welcome to come to come and join us for that we we wanted to just address because it's a question that people ask us <laughs> um why why should you sign up for a course how how does that doing a, an an external course help you on the on your journey why should you sign up for an external course so why should you Anna why sign up for an <laughs> external course yeah it's a great question um I would say that do check out what your university has to offer yes uh in terms of courses um because some university universities actually offer things yes. um and it depends a bit on the country I think it depends a bit on university to university and there may be really 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 nice offers um that I would definitely check out um and also that your professional associations as well can have great, oh, very point. subject specific courses too so those are really worth looking at too so absolutely don't just sign up for the first thing that comes do your do your homework yes <laughs> yeah once you checked out like whether university um has courses or not um and if there isn't anything um, that your university offers on writing. And I know from my experience that a lot of universities don't offer good academic writing courses. Um, they are often focused a lot on linguistics. Um, this has been my experience. They're often run by language, by language faculties. Um, they can be very focused also on more uh, the process of writing and not really, or like, mm, more on the topic of like how oh, how can I make time to write more of the project management bit, which we actually do cover in my course as well. Um, but what we do in my course uh, that is a little bit different, I think, from how most courses operate is that um, we go into, okay, how do I develop uh, the paper step by step? And like, what is the first step I need to do in the process of writing? And of course, that's the first step in the process of developing a story, which I think is something that often isn't covered uh, in courses that are offered at universities. Um, and your university may not have a course at all on that. Yeah. Um, it, I, think, I think that is worth saying is that actually external courses are likely to be more detailed in terms of having 
they likely to run a bit longer because quite often you might have a you kind of a one session or a two session thing. So actually, then you're likely to get, like you say, you've got different sessions on different things. So that's likely um, to to be something that an external course would offer, isn't it? I also what I actually also really like about external courses, or at least this is the way how it is in my course, is. Just being able to meet so many other researchers from totally different institutions, from different countries and from different backgrounds, I think that is so enriching. And having this kind of community also actually at different career stages, and this is something um, someone said to me, like a member of my course said to me the other day, she went like, oh, it's so nice. She's a PhD student. She was like, it's so nice to be able to be kind of in the same group with people who are maybe PIs, professors, um, and we're all learning together. And just I really like um, having this kind of forum, uh, this kind of way where everyone is like, okay, let's let's do this, let's learn this together. Yeah. We're all in the same boat. We all struggle with similar things. Um, and it can just be nice because – I feel like in academia, this has been my experience, that there was a lot of shame around uh, not being able to do something. You were kind of always expected to know everything, (laughs) even though this is hilarious, because how would you know how to write a paper? It's impossible. (laughs) And it's a skill, right? This is a skill. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I always say you need... It's a skill that you need to learn and what you need to learn a skill where you need to learn the strategy and you need to practice. And without doing, having either, you're not going to learn the skill. So it's like ridiculous that you're expected to do that or that there's this shame around. Um, So I often encounter people who go, yeah, I can't really talk to my colleagues about this, uh, that I'm not good at this or that I struggle with this. And this I think is so nice than having a community with people who who you can just be open to because, you know, you don't know them. Um, I mean, you hopefully get to know them, but uh, you're all in the same boat. You're all starting exactly. from the right point. And that I really, really love that and about I think it, having these types of courses external. Yeah. And I think it is about finding your people on the PhD journey. Absolutely that. And I think that that's certainly something on on my courses too, in terms of people who find other people because because they're all doing the same sort of course they've all chosen to do that they kind of get get it and they find other people who are in a similar place and it, it, it there is there is such that's such an important part of such an important part of it um alongside yeah, yeah. all the other stuff I also see that I see such generosity as well from members um how they offer their time, offer their expertise to others, giving them suggestions, showing like systems they develop for themselves and different softwares or like ways they do things. Like we have this so much and I think that's just such a beautiful thing to be part of, like a community. Yeah, and ongoing support as well. I know out of the the 12-week sprint program that I did, there, you know, people went forward supporting each other as they you know after the course so these kind of exactly set that up and and off they go um and that is just brilliant that's that's a really important part of it um Mm -hmm. okay so the sense of kind of particular particular skills and going into more depth finding community anything else that that people might get from uh, from 
external course? What I would also say, actually, is that um, a PhD is a really, really good time to invest in professional development that is a little outside or that isn't only on your research topic. Because especially, but not only, if you want to continue in academia, because I have a lot, a lot, a lot. That's actually one of the biggest groups in the program is assistant professors. (laughs) Because when you miss the point during your PhD uh, or during your postdoc to acquire those skills, you become an assistant professor and suddenly you're on your own. (laughs) You're on your own and you have to publish. And they are under a lot of pressure (laughs) and they have a lot less time than you have as a, during your PhD. That's just the way things are. You, you have more time uh, to invest in actually, uh, yeah, in professional development, in developing your skills. And even if you don't, if you don't think you're going to continue in academia, I think writing is one of those skills and a lot about writing is kind of, just being able to distill the key messages from what you did, being able to like synthesize ideas um, and being able to communicate those ideas. And I think learning that helps even if you don't want to continue in academia, like it will help you. It will help you in whatever job uh, you do in afterwards so and this is what we always say isn't it about the kind of the the phd is a big transitional moment and you are becoming um a doctor and all that that's going to mean for you and so yeah that you might there might be particular courses or particular experiences that you want to have that help that transformation you're kind of like actually I want to fill that gap I want to get that skill I want to meet those people and make those connections and just thinking about I talk about having a PhD bucket list in terms of having this sense of what what do you want from this experience um as well as maybe what you what you need in terms of the skills that you need but what do you want how do you want to um Mm. uh, be in this process and and uh that those looking for opportunities to develop that um, could be golden in terms of taking that time, as you say, that actually, even though it feels incredibly pressured in a PhD programme, it really does. Yeah. I know it does. I know it does. But actually, compared to, as you say, compared to perhaps what's coming next, there is time to do that work. So really sort of taking up that opportunity um, yes, right. I'm aware of time because I think here's the thing. I get too excited about talking about this a lot. So I'm just I want to I want to serious about because what I want to what I want to come to then is in terms of um, thinking about actually kind of undertaking that course because I know I, for a lot of people um, they'll they'll be concerned about sort of how to find useful courses, what to look for, <laughs> how mm-hmm. to fund it. So have you got any ideas? Um, well, I'm saying, have you got any? I know you have. That that's really disingenuous, isn't it? Tell us, Anna. <laughs> Tell us um, how guide us through that process. Yeah. So, when it comes to funding, um, I think what many many PhD students uh, don't realize is that there is money. Often in many universities, there is money for that somewhere <laughs> hidden the away. Budget. Yeah. Yeah. That nobody speaks about. Like. This is often not being advertised, um, but the first thing I would do if you want to take a course, um, 
go ask your supervisor, go ask your thesis advisor, whoever is sort of <laughs> the point of contact for you. Um, go ask that person first and ask them um, if they have present the opportunity to them and ask them if they're funding for that. And a lot of PIs, principal investigators, have grants uh, from which they can sort of claim, like in the budget of those grants, they have set aside some money for professional development that they can use in that way. Um, and other than those people, uh, the department, your graduate school, uh, whatever sort of um, whatever sort of organization or how should I say, <laughs> whatever sort of structure you have. Um, try thinking about like potential sponsors that you could ask. Um, even if the first one doesn't work out, like don't get discouraged, uh, go and ask, go and ask someone else because they, they honestly may be some money somewhere for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and also keep in mind that um, you getting that training is of benefit to them. You becoming a better researcher, a better being able to publish in more prolific journals in in I don't know better publications uh will be of benefit to your institution so it is in their interest that you get that training that you become that great writer and that also an efficient writer like right like if you can write papers faster that is of interest that is in your institution's interest so being in that right mindset I think when you make the ask is really important mm-hmm. um it's a win for your institution like it's a win-win situation exactly um, it's not an admission of failure it's absolutely like yeah. I'm gonna do I'm gonna be proactive about getting the skills that I need and getting the support I need that's what I'm gonna that's what I'm doing here yeah, yeah, exactly. And also what one could even do, um, and what I would recommend you to do when you make the ask is to look at your universities or your departments or whoever you're speaking to, look at their like strategic plan or their kind of aims um, that they've published somewhere. Um, and then think about how does the course that you want to take tie in with that um, so that you can present that to them. Um, and Also, if your university offers something, so for example, if your university does have an academic writing course or has a writing center or something like that, uh, and you want to take an external academic writing course, um, look into how that course is different uh, that you want to take. Really specify, okay, this these aspects are just missing from what you offer. This is why I would like to go with that person. Um, be ready to kind of present them, like make a case for that course, like what is good about that course. Maybe you, I don't know, maybe that person has a blog that you have taken a lot of knowledge from, or maybe that person you've interacted with in some way or form and learned from uh, before. So being able to kind of pitch it in that way. And also I would definitely recommend have a conversation. Like don't write this in an email. Uh, Set up a quick meeting. Like honestly tell them this will take 10 to 15 minutes. Like don't make this a big thing for them um, because they don't have time. (laughs) Um, Be prepared in that meeting and then kind of pitch pitch it um and know all the details of the course like as you talk to them like know the price know how long it is know all everything that they may um that they may need to know 
And actually, if you want, I know this is kind of quite a lot of things. I've wrote a blog post on this. So if you want okay. to read up on that, we'll link to yeah, that. Or Emma that. hopefully links that. to that in the show notes. Um so that you can you can go through all the points. Um and yeah, definitely um definitely try. This would be my um mm. My recommendation, because there's often money that isn't being advertised uh, for professional development. And in terms of finding, in terms of finding the right cause for you, how how can people go about that? I would recommend you to, if you find someone um, that you're considering to take a course from, consume their free content, mm. um, see what they're offering, mm. um, whatever they have, especially if they have videos or webinars, like something that's like similar to the course yes. that would be similar to a course format um, or similar to, I mean, that kind of is on the topic that you want to learn, right? Like yeah. see what their approach is, see if it resonates with you and see if you feel like that they get you, you yes. know, like yes, 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 I think yes. Yeah, it needs to kind of, if you feel like, yeah, I think, you know, after consuming free quanta, you know, like you kind of get an idea whether whether this could be a good fit or not. Um, and what I would also say is um, look at testimonials, like see other case studies of people, um, see what they got out of the course, out of the program, understand like, yeah, what, what are the results they got? What are the transformations they got? What position were they in before? Like, mm. see if this would like apply to you, get a kind of a picture of uh, what that would be like. And also, honestly, I mean, this is something, I, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but um, if you are unsure whether or not the course would be a good fit, we always invite people to email us and we'll, we're happy to, to help you decide because it isn't, like I always say like we are totally honest like if you don't think it's a good fit we're always totally honest because the last thing we want for you is to join and feel like oh this is not for me like because that is not in our interest either so we really um we really always love to take the time to yes to answer questions and to clarify things and things like that. So, and I think if, if somebody's not prepared to do that and take some time and meet with you, then that's a massive red flag, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? I, I right. think if, if if you're you're going to be working with this person and you want to make sure that you can be good work partners, and so yeah, any I'm exactly the same. That I I want to know that people will be a good fit for a program, um, because. It doesn't help anybody to, to no, not have no. it. So yes, no, it really doesn't. I yeah. think all all that standard stuff in terms of like just listen to your gut. Is this the right person for me? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Um, brilliant. Right. I'm. I really am aware of time now, and I, I I know that um we need to we need to get to the to the um. So the question that I always ask, the ridiculous question about top tips, um, but to remind everyone, there, there's going to be lots of information in the show notes, actually, because there's, there's lots we could say here. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so, Anna, like I ask everybody very unfairly in terms of this, these taking an external course, what would be your, your top tip or top tips? I would say my top tip is take some time and reflect on your goals. Reflect on your goals for your year, yeah. uh, maybe for the next few years. Yeah. Um, 
if you're a PhD student, graduate student, maybe until like the time uh, until you graduate, consider that time frame and think about, okay, what are my goals for this? Yes. Um, apart from graduating or what do I need to graduate, right? Yeah. Write it all down. Um, really think about or. I mean, Emma, as you say, I really love the thing about the bucket list. Yes, yes, yes. Oh. I have a bucket list. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Write a bucket list. And then on that bucket list, I would say, or on that, on those goals, circle the most important ones. Like get them a lot and then circle the most important ones. Because I think what we sometimes forget is that we only have so much time. So really focusing in on okay, what is most important? What what am I really going to invest in? What I'm going all in? Analyze, see, okay, how can I get? How can I get there? Um, what is it that you need? Like I love journaling personally for these things. Um, and I love a journal. Yeah, I love thinking. I love stepping back, and I think it's really important to do this. Um, take some time off the like daily grind the daily you know I know there's so many things all the time uh I think we all experience that mm. um their emails they are they are very important things all the time so we kind of get sucked in and just taking that time take a step back uh reserve some time to really reflect and think through what what do I need like what do I need to do in the next three months in the next year in the next week like um but kind of approach it that way start with start with your goals and then go from there because I think in that way you'll actually also commit to really taking that course um because you know there's a priority and you will make time for it and you will make sure that you get you get out of it what you want to get out of I love it. And I, what I love about that too is it comes then also from this kind of abundance. It's like, I am going to be able to do this thing and I'm going to call in what I need to help me do that rather than coming from a place kind of don't wait for that moment where you're like, oh, I can't do this. And now I'm really stuck. And now I need desperately to get out of this thing. I think this, this kind of keeping in, I talk about it a lot in terms of keeping in abundance and openness and knowing that you are supporting yourself. And even if you can't do this thing yet, you will be able to do it with the right support in place. And so what you're doing here is you're providing yourself with the support, um, wherever that comes from, wherever mm. that comes from. Mm. Um, Anna, thank you so much. Oh, um, thank you. This was so fun to talk about. I know. It's, it's always <laughs> lovely to check in with you. And um, I am very much looking forward to um, the 28th of March. Um so I will I will see you then. Um thank yes. you so much. <laughs> and um hopefully see some of you there too. Um thank you all for listening. Bye.